Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Matthew Appleby, editor at Horticulture Week, and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. Today, we're talking biostimulants with ICL's Andrew Wilson. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing? Uh, good morning, Matthew. Great, thanks. And Martin Donnelly. Good morning, Matthew. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. And Sam Rivers. Morning, Matthew. Now, just before we get into the uh, the topic, Sam, um, before ICL, you were at Cambridge University. So I'm feeling a bit intimidated talking to such a boffin. So what did you do there? <laughs> I'm not sure boffin is the right word. Um but I was the senior horticulturalist at St. John's College, uh, which is one of the colleges at Cambridge University. So a lot of people don't actually know Cambridge University is made up of 31 colleges. Um, so each college kind of varies in size and each has their own different specialties. Uh, so St. John's College is one of the largest uh, universities. So I was kept pretty busy there. Uh, my job there pretty much entailed all, all aspects of horticulture so from from lawn maintenance to growing plants for bedding displays uh, there was being Cambridge University there were some quite interesting uh, jobs that you could do um, you know when we were pruning uh, yew, yew trees for instance we were collecting the leaves because uh, they contain uh, taxol uh, from the latin name taxus baccata um, and taxol is actually used in cancer research um, so, you know, you're involved in those kind of projects there. And one of the memories I have was actually we had to go on the punts, uh, Cambridge being Cambridge on the river. Um, we had to go on the punts to prune all the ivy around the student accommodation. So unfortunately, I didn't get paid danger money for that. But it was, uh, it was quite an experience, uh, certainly a bit different to uh, what most people do on a typical garden. Cool. Sounds like quite a fun job. Well, okay, now let's get get into it. Starting with Martin, what are biostimulants and, you know, how is the market developing? 
Okay, so biostimulants really can be described as substances or microorganisms that when we apply to plants or the rhizosphere, stimulate the natural defenses of the plant and also natural processes. And what this does is benefit nutrient efficiency and tolerance to mainly abiotic stress. So what I mean by abiotic stress is anything that's environmental, such as wind, drought or waterlogging, and basically helps the plant to mitigate these effects. Biostimulants are not a replacement for precise targeted nutrition, and they are not there to take the place of plant protection products, but they are another tool for the grower to employ. Thanks, Martin. Andrew, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, I mean, I mean biostimulants, everyone's talking about them, but I think they're overpromised a lot of the time. So people think that they're going to give you the perfect crop quality um, and a great plant, but they're only a supplement to a, a precise nutrition strategy. So you really need to consider the crop and make sure you've got the nutrition um, correctly sorted out. Where they really come to play is, as Martin mentioned, with, with the abiotic stresses. And, you know, if you're moving plants outside and they're going to come under stress, that's when you should have applied them before to protect the plants. And, and that's when you'll see the improvement in, in quality. They're not going to feed the plant all the way through. They, they do contain some, some nutrition, particularly organic nitrogen um, and amino acids. And, and those can be quickly utilised by plants in stressful situations. So that's where they can green the plants up and, and make them perform better, um, but, but not as a whole nutrition package. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, and Sam, can you give us an example of a, a biostimulant product? Yeah, so at ICL, we have quite a few biostimulant products available now. The most recent one we've got is called HiCure. Uh, HiCure is based on amino acids. So I'll just try and explain briefly how that works. So amino acids um, are the building blocks of proteins in the plant. So normally, if a plant is growing happily, there's no, no stress, it can produce its own amino acids to produce proteins, which are essential for plant growth. But when there's a stress, you know, if there's a drought, if, uh, you know, there's flooding, for instance, uh, high, high disease pressure, um, it has to unbreak these proteins. Proteins can be unfolded, so to speak, and formed uh, elsewhere in the plant. So they'll be diverted. Uh, so this means the plant struggles uh, in other areas of growth. So high cure is to supplement the amino acid portfolio in the plant. Uh, so it doesn't have to break its own proteins. So you're going to have a readily available source uh, to the plant, particularly in periods of abiotic stress. Um, yeah, so it's a really good product. Andrew, can you relate that to forward planning on a crop basis? Yeah, I think this is where we're coming from with biostimulants. You know, you, you need to consider where you're going to use it. And, and the first point is, is to consider the crop you're growing. Um, and biostimulants, you know, can, can be great at, at encouraging early rooting. I mean, Martin mentioned the rhizosphere and they can stimulate natural processes in the plant. So you can encourage rooting in plants that maybe suffer from root diseases and things like that to strengthen them. You can also strengthen them in terms of high temperatures if you're growing a crop in the summer you can make them more resistant to high temperatures and things like that. So, so the crop is the key to it. And it's important to have a plan. So you don't just put them on when you see the danger. You plan for it and apply them earlier to strengthen the plants and, and get over some, some of these stresses. Thank you. Uh, Martin, how compatible are they with different products? Yes, they are very compatible and they're perfect for an IPM situation. The way to use biostimulants is in a programme with your 
current programmed use of plant protection products, biologicals, um, and also your nutrition package. So what growers need to be looking at is, especially in these days with the reduced amount of chemicals available, is what is missing out of their toolbox. So what are they finding difficult to control? Pests, diseases, but mainly diseases with biostimulants. What products have now dropped off the edge? and where they can utilize biostimulants to help the plant defend itself against these pathogens, which is what biostimulants do for the plant. So it's really about forward planning, looking at problems in your crop, and then matching the biostimulant use in a programmed way to make up for those gaps that have been left by the lack of um, plant protection products. Thanks, Martin. Um, so Sam, how, how do they help with uh, future-proofing? Well, I think on the last podcast we did, we talked about the withdrawal of exemptor um, and, you know, less dependence on chemicals, as Martin has just said. And these these products are, you know, they're a lot more environmentally friendly. And the way the industry does seem to be moving is is a lot of these uh, chemical, conventional chemical products are being banned. Um, so the biostimulants are going to have to be integrated in a in a production plan. Um you know quite quite readily and that's what we're trying to deal with at the minute is get some plans together to combat issues uh, and this is what we'll talk about in the next uh, podcast um how you'd actually use these products in uh, in a plan to control certain issues on the nursery you might see so now we're going to talk a bit about integrating the new technologies into a disease management plan so uh Martin, can you tell us a bit more about that, please? Yes, the disease management plan is, is critical now, uh, as we've spoke about with the, uh, the demise of some of the chemical pro- uh, products that are around at the moment. Some of these will be lost. And what we have to do now is look at using biostimulants to take the place of some of these products. And really, the, the reason behind that is that biostimulants are really like a vaccine. Um, what we're doing is we're alerting the plant to, to problems before they occur. So we're basically giving them a shot. The biostimulants are really kickstarting the plant's natural defences. And that means that we can now look at a bit more forward planning, getting the plant to help to defend itself. And then what we do is we build around that with other products that are still available to us. And this has to be done on a regular basis in a, in a planning situation. But they're very integratable. And um, this is something that we will have to do in the future more and more. Andrew, can you tell us a bit more about that? Just go into a bit more detail. Yes, I mean, implementing a plan is is key to using biostimulants and understanding the crop is key to it. Um, You know, Martin's mentioned some of the abiotic stresses, um, such as heat, cold and wind. But there there are other things like high conductivity, um, drought and waterlogging. Um, and, And if you're aware of these things, you can build it into your plan. But biotic stresses are really key as well. So, you know, knowing, you know, when that pathogen is going to be prevalent in the crop is important. So you can plan for it and apply the products earlier on and have a program built around it. Lots of the diseases you see in in crops are often, you know, when it gets very hot and humid in in a glasshouse environment or a tunnel. And these these are things that you can predict and, and you can introduce the, you know, the biostimulants and apply them. Um, but you, you need to apply them more than once. And, and, and that's where it's really important to have a programme. 
if you just apply it at the last minute, they're not going to be as effective as if you've built up the resistance and the effectiveness of the biostimulant by applying it in a program. And it's also a good checklist and reminder that you've got to apply these things. It's very easy for a grower to forget and then come across the problem. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, Sam, can you give us a, an example of a plan, please? Yeah, so what I'll talk about is just how you would use our biostimulant products uh, on, on the nursery. Uh, let's focus on powdery mildew, for instance. So, you know, an example of a preventative approach using biostimulants, uh, you know, you'd be looking at the cultural methods of control first. So it's, it's all about regular monitoring and understanding your crop. So, you know, now is the time you probably want to be looking out for powdery mildew. So where the temperature is increasing, but the night temperatures are still low. Uh, those conditions are quite favorable for powdery mildew growth. So we have a product called Vital Nova Prime, uh, which is a biostimulant based on brewer's yeast. Um, and you could look at applying this at the, at the according rate every 10 to 15 days, as Andrew is saying, to get the plant in a phase where it's already activated uh, the biostimulant to working throughout the plant as these diseases incidences get more and more severe. So, you know, it's, it's incorporating that as well as regular monitoring. So, you know, you might apply it in week 14 and then you come to week 16 and you might find a disease on a very small scale on the plant. So that disease incidence is, is growing. So, you know, a cultural method would be to pruning, prune out the infected material and you've noticed that, you know, the, the disease is there. So you might switch to another product we have, uh, which is called Vital Nova Guardian. So that is uh, more of a foliar a biostimulant uh, to fortify the plant and upscale its natural defenses. You know, you can alternate these um, applications of Prime and Guardian, you know, every, every 10 to 15 days. So you're mapping, you know, the strategy of this application where disease pressure is high. Then you might get further along, you know, you come to week 18 and then you see a really high incidence of powdery mildew. And this is where we have a product uh, called Amistar, which is a, it's a fungicide. So that's, you know, your last kind of resort, you're switching to the, the conventional chemical control uh, right when the disease pressure is at its highest, but you're, you're allowing the biostimulants to, to get you to that point. Hopefully you don't need to use the chemical control um, using these products, but there is still that instance there. And, and the idea of these kind of plans is to reduce that dependence on the chemical. I've just got one more question. Um, I'll throw it open to everybody. Um, what do you see the future take up by growers and how do you get more growers interested? I think that with the onset of the Sustainable Use Directive, which is really Europe-wide now and in law, growers are being asked by the authorities to look at reducing their chemical inputs for, for lots of reasons, for environmental uh, health, uh, especially for bystanders where there's chemicals being used, also for the wider environment to protect the watercourses. And so growers are now being asked by in law to start using products which are not based on chemistry. And this is where biostimulants really are kind of going to come into their own. There's lots of different types. They can be integrated with lots of other products. And uh, going forward, I think, these will be the mainstay, in my opinion, of plant protection for the future. That's some pretty good reasons to um, to take this up. Has anyone else got any 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 more to add on to that one? 
I think it's important that uh, that growers get the best advice with these products. And I think that's where we're struggling at the moment. And we need to step up and explain properly how these things work and where to use them. There's there's lots of, you know, amazing claims about biostimulants, but you really need to get the best advice and use them appropriately to get the best results. Great. Thanks, Andrew. I think that's rounded up pretty well and concludes our in-depth education there about biostimulants. So um, thank you to Martin, Sam and Andrew. And thanks for listening to the Horticulture Week podcast with ICL. Please subscribe at hortweek.com and listen to the full back catalogue at hortweek.com forward slash podcasts. And once again, thank you and goodbye for now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.